Well, good morning. Welcome to church this morning. Thank you for being in the house. You could have stayed snuggled in your bed where it's nice and toasty, but you chose to come here where it's freezing. Amen. Because our AC is blasting as well. Amen. It's great to, be, great to be here. Thank you for being in the house of God. Those of you that are snuggled in your bed, thank you for joining us as well. Um, it's great to be back. Uh, this, last week, I was uh, ministering in, uh, did some ministry on the mainland, attended some Every Nation leadership meetings. And I wanted to just kind of share a couple of updates. You know, somebody told me recently, I love it when you travel because you come back and you tell us what's going on in different parts of the world. So uh, I want to share a couple of encouraging updates with you. I was uh, ministering at our, our Every Nation church in Santa Monica, California. It's called Re- new church. Some of you may remember Pastor Dehan Lee. He was here. Uh, he, they just recently bought a building in the, uh, near downtown Santa Monica, just several blocks away from the beach, this beautiful, a little bit of 100-year-old Lutheran church, and they've converted it. It's just an awesome place. And just seeing what they're doing in their community was so encouraging to me. A lot of new people were getting saved, a lot of new people joining the church and getting, getting God into their lives. And I, I don't know about you, I left fired up. Even we were hanging out outside after one of the services and people just walking by, you know, wanting to check out the church and, and, and know more about God. I'm just like, wow, God, you planted them strategically and specifically in this community uh, to make a, a difference for Jesus in the heart of Los Angeles. Amen. How many of you know that's a, that's a miracle? That's a God thing. And so we're excited about what they're doing there. And then that afternoon, I got to visit our other church in, uh, in, called Vi- Victory Pasadena, uh, several miles away in Pasadena, California. And they're growing. God's doing amazing things in their church. And I got to meet this woman that I told you about a little, just around a year ago. I don't know if you remember her, but this is Auntie Lita. And I shared her testimony uh, coming out of our miracle series. How many of you remember her story? For those of you that are new, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And the doctors were going to have to go in and operate on her. And it, the prognosis was not good. Anyway, long story short, during the prayer and fasting time, during the miracle series, they prayed over her. And when the doctors went in, this is last January, doctors went in to get ready to do the surgery. They couldn't find any trace of the cancer. The cancer was gone. Stage four cancer. Amen. Come on, give praise for that. Stage four cancer was gone, and I got to see her again just this past Sunday, and she's alive and well and fired up, and the cancer is still gone. Doctor said there's no trace of the cancer, and this is, and this is what the doctor said. It's a miracle. How many of you know it's a miracle when a doctor says it's a miracle? <clears throat> and I also found this out. Auntie Lita's husband also was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year, and God also healed him, and his doctor said it's a miracle too. Two miracles in one family. I mean, come on now. I should have had her lay hands on me, just in case there's anything going on. Can you pray for me? Because there's clearly the power of God is at work in your life. But it was so encouraging to see them, see her, and, and just hear the different stories of what God's doing uh, in our Every Nation family around the world. And then I got to come home and see what God's doing here a little bit. We had our food distribution uh, yesterday in partnership with the food bank. And uh, as I was, got to see all of these cars, and it breaks my heart every time to see these, this many people coming to line up. Our, our team distributed uh, food to over 283 households. About 1,132 people were served. So can we give our community team a round of applause for that? Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Pastor Camille, Lena, and the team, and all of you that worked so hard out in, in, in blessing our community. What was really encouraging to me is seeing the team, uh, you know, praying for people in their cars. I, I just walked past the car. A woman was weeping as our team prayed for her. And you know what? I just thought to myself, that's what the church is called to be and do. Amen. Not just what we do in this building, as, as cool as it may be, but what happens here is meant to encourage us and fuel us so that we can go out there and be the church. Amen. In as many ways as possible, and in every place that we go, we're called to take the love of Jesus that we receive and spread it to the world all around us. We're not meant to just contain God's blessings. We're meant to be conduits of God's blessings. And what that means, it's meant to flow to us and then through us into the world all around us. Can I hear an amen to that? 
And I just love seeing that. That's, that's the whole point here. We come here to get encouraged, hopefully, inspired, hopefully, so that we can go out and be the light of God to the world. As I was preparing for this message, I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of give me this picture. And I was trying to Google to find, you know, a, a picture I could use to illustrate this. I couldn't find it. So I went to ChatGPT. I've never done this before. But I asked ChatGPT to, get, to generate me an image. And this is, what I, this is what, I, what I saw in my mind. I think God's heart is that we would receive his Holy Spirit into our homes, that the holiness of God would transform us first so that, go to the next one, it can spread out from our home to the, to the community all around us. I think this is God's heart. If there's a picture in our mind for, for the last series that we were in about the holiness of God and this one, it's this. The holiness of God needs to transform us so that it can flow through us into the world all around us. Far too many of us just want to receive the holiness of God or the blessing of God for ourselves and it never leaves us and penetrates the world all around us. The whole point of God's holiness is that it should change us and transform us so that we can be a light to the world all around us. You follow what I'm saying? Imagine what would happen if we allowed God to really change us and transform us. It could spread. Amen. Imagine what would happen. Go to the next one. If every home received the light and the love of God. I know that looks like an alien abduction. Okay. <laughs> I even said, can you make it not look like an alien abduction? It still kind of did. Anyway. That the light of God's love would fill every single house and then begin to spread out to the neighborhoods and the communities in the world all around. This is God's heart. Not that we just receive, but that we be conduits of his blessing. But not just in our homes. Even in our, those of you that are students, in our classrooms. So I asked ChatGPT, generate me a, a picture of students looking depressed in class. That's pretty good. <laughs> that could have been my middle school class right there. That even in the darkness on our campuses, if we receive the holiness of God and let him change us, go to the next one, that's the point. We, should, we need to receive his love and be that one bright light on our campus, amen, in our classroom. And then it can spread, go to the next one, to the students and the people all around us. That's God's heart. We receive his light and it spreads. But not just on our campuses. What about our workplaces? I asked, generate me a depressed workplace. Some of you are like, oh, that's, that's my office. <laughs> In the darkness of our workplaces, in the marketplace, we need to receive his light. Go to the next one so that it can spread beyond us. But not just our homes, not just our campuses, not just our workplaces, even our sports teams. Someone's got to be the light where we let the holiness of God change us and transform us so that we can shine his light to the world all around us. That was the whole point of our last series, Set Apart. That God's holiness should change us. That we know who he is and we see who we are and it should transform us so that it can spread beyond us. And so our preaching team got together and we said, we want to do a couple of weeks to talk about this, not just the holiness of God, but how it should affect our relationships. Because the reality is, the reality of God's love, who he is, needs to, must, has to transform the way that we relate to one another and the way that we relate to this world. If it doesn't, we're missing something. If all we left the last series was, you know, God's holy, that's awesome, we've missed the point. If it doesn't then translate into our relationships, we've missed the whole point entirely. And that's what we want to talk about over the next couple of weeks is how is God's holiness supposed to affect the way that we relate to people in this broken world? And so we're going to begin today by looking at the, the, the book of Philippians. There's a passage in the Bible that I think illustrates this. It's found in the book of Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It'll be up on screen for you. Uh, but I want to encourage you, bring your Bibles to church and, and begin to see the Word of God in, in, in your Bible. I know you say, oh, you got my Bible on my phone, Pastor, but that's great. But you know what I found? Um, when, I read a, when I read a paper Bible, it doesn't distract me with other notifications. 
this Bible's never told me I got an Instagram, you know, thingy or whatever. Like, it, it's never distracted me. It's easy to stay focused. Anyway, that's just me. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. The problem is the text is so small, I got to do this nowadays. <clears throat> My arms aren't long enough. Therefore, it says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. In other words, if this gospel of Jesus Christ has affected you in any way, if it's real to you in any way, if, it mean, if it's meaningful you to you in any way, then verse 2 says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross and therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father this is God's word amen let's pray Father we thank you for your word that reveals to us who you are and reveals to us who we are and also shows us how we are to respond to your holiness and your goodness i pray today holy spirit that you will help us to see how your love should not just change us on the inside but affect the way that we relate to people in this world help us to see from your eyes give us your heart we pray this today in jesus name amen <clears throat> amen the title of my message this morning is heavenly home bringing heaven home to our earthly relationships how do we bring heaven home to our earthly relationships? See, one of the, 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 the faults I think a lot of us can sometimes have in our thinking about God is we think that Christianity is just about getting to heaven. I said this before a couple of weeks ago. The goal of Christianity and the goal of life is not just to get to heaven when you die. We limit the gospel if that's all it is. I want to get know Jesus so that I can get my ticket to heaven punched. I can get my get out of hell free card so that I can go to heaven when I die. That's only part of the, the, the equation. Yes, that's a, the huge part of it, but the goal is not just to get to heaven when we die. The goal is to bring heaven to earth while we live. Well, someone should have said amen to that. That, should have been, that was profound. The goal is not just to get to heaven when we die. It's to bring heaven to earth where we live and while we live. Again, you should have said amen a little bit better. I just, that was a baby bounce. I mean, come on, guys, right? The goal is not just to get to heaven when we die. It's to bring heaven to earth while we live. Thank you, church. All right. Sorry, I got a little bit of a head cold, so you got you to say amen loud because my ears are plugged. Anyway, but, that's, that, but see, if, if it's just about getting to heaven while we die, then I'll receive Jesus and that, so I can live however I want. I, I, I prayed that sinner's prayer. I went to church. We did whatever we need to do to feel like we're okay with God, and I'm going to go back to living however I want to live. Forget the consequences. I don't care how, how it affects people. I'm going to live how I want because I'm going to heaven. Now, Yes, if you're saved by grace and you receive Jesus, you're going to heaven. Praise God. He died on the cross for your sins. But if it doesn't translate into the way that we live on this earth, we're missing the point. And by the way, I would question whether you've really received Jesus. Because as we read in this text, it must affect the way that we relate to people if it was real. And if the gospel is not changing the way that we relate to people, we need to go back to step one. And go, did I really receive Jesus or did I just, you know, think I did 
and, you know, take a little bit of Tylenol while, while the problem is still there. The, go- the goal of the gospel is to change us, to bring heaven to earth in our lives. And one of the most important ways that it's meant to do that is in our relationships and the way that we relate to people. The way that we treat people in this world, the way that we live in the, in the midst of this broken and fallen world. And that's what this passage that we just read talked about. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common sharing, then everything that we just read, it has to affect the way that we relate. Otherwise, did you really receive the gospel in the first place? And so we have to go back and say, God, how is the gospel changing the way that I relate to people? How should it? And so I want to leave us with a couple of thoughts here this morning as we discuss this because it has to change the way that we relate to people. Growing in our relationship with God will result, or put it another way, must result in growing in healthy relationships. As we grow in our relationship with God, it must result in growing in healthy relationships. It just has to. Most of the Bible, in fact, you know, some, someone, you know, kind of did a, did a study of the, of the verses in the New Testament. Almost all of the New Testament, or over half of the New Testament is about love, how we love one another. The other half is about loving God. The other half is about how we love one another. Half of the Ten Commandments is about how we should relate to and love one another in this world. So it sure seems to be a big deal to God. And we can't bifurcate our lives and say, well, I love God over here, but I'm going to live however I want out here and treat people however I want out here. It doesn't work that way. We love God over here, and that should directly affect the way that we relate over here. It must. It does. It should, right? And that's what this text is talking about. And Christians, therefore, we need to be intentional in working towards growing in healthy relationships. It doesn't happen automatically. I wish I could say the moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to immediately be an angel, right? You're going to go home. You're just going to be, oh, walking on clouds, and you're never going to have fights again. No, it doesn't work that way, and many of you realize that. It takes intentionality to deal with the stuff inside of our own soul and to be intentional to walk in a right way in right relationships with other people. And so we need to be intentional at working towards unity and health and wholeness in our relationships. One of the saddest statistics that I read recently, I shared several months ago, is that over 60% of young people now that grow up in churches don't continue in the faith into their adult years. And one of the main reasons why that is the case is because of what they've seen at home. They come to church, hear a good message about how we need to be X, Y, or Z and and encouraging things from the Bible, but they go home and they might see quite the opposite. In fact, 80% of self-proclaimed atheists today claim that the reason why they don't believe in God is the hypocrisy that they've seen in Christians, mostly their family at home, and then the other Christians that they've seen in the church. I don't know about you, but that tells me I got to make sure that I'm working on myself, amen, that I got to work on myself and the way that I relate. So that what I pass on, not just to my kids, but to the community, what spreads from my home out into the world is light and not darkness. Amen. We can't be the type of people that that praise God on Sunday and then people look at us on Monday to Saturday going, bro, what the heck? (laughs) I thought you'd go church. (laughs) I thought you were a Christian. How many of you ever heard someone say that to you before? Yeah, I know that you take that as an insult, but really that should be a reminder. You're right. I am a Christian and it should change the way that I act and I behave. Now, none of us are going to be perfect at this. And my wife is sitting right there. And if I try to pretend like I'm perfect at it, just wave your hands, honey, and just throw something at me, okay? Listen, none of us are going to be perfect at this. But what we need to be is intentional, amen? That when we we fall short, when we make mistakes, we do our best to get it right. Because all of us are going to make mistakes. And I love the fact that God gives us ample opportunities to get things right. But our intent has to be to grow also in healthy relationships. I found far too many Christians just, just concerned about growing and knowing stuff about God but not intentional at growing in their interpersonal relationship with other people. And we use the excuse, well, I know stuff about the Bible. Okay, 
But that should translate into your relationship. And if it's not, you're missing something. Jesus makes a big deal out of this. And the rest of the New Testament makes a huge deal out of this. And I want to show you just a couple of, couple of examples here. Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> Jesus said this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This isn't just go love God and treat people however you want. This is love God and love people. The two are inseparable. The whole point here is you can't separate the two. You can't say, I love God, but I don't care about being kind and gracious and good to the people around me. You can't do that. You can't separate the two. Look at what the Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 4. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a what? What does it say? Is a liar. The Bible is saying that if we say that we love God, yet we allow unhealth in our relationships to persist, we're lying. Because the two are inseparable. You can't love God and not love the people in your life. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's kind of hard to do. I know. Let's read on. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must. Doesn't say should. Doesn't say you might want to think about it. It says you must love your brother or your sister. Now, this is hard. Because people sometimes are hard to love. Amen. Anybody know someone that's hard to love? Yeah. You know, you're hard to love too at times. <laughs> I know I'm hard to love at times, right? We all are hard to love. And that's why it takes intentionality. And it requires help, supernatural help. Thank God we have a Holy Spirit that wants to help us through this. Amen. Thank God we have a community that he's created called the church where we can help one another grow into this. Because this isn't a suggestion. This is a command. In fact, look at what the Apostle John writes. This is what Jesus said. A new command I give you. Again, not suggestion, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Make note of that phrase. If you're taking notes, circle that. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it is by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Notice it's a command, not a suggestion, not a nice idea. This is a command from God. We must love one another, right? But look what it says, as I have loved you. So this begs the question, well, how did Jesus love us? We'll get to that in just a second. But notice that he also says that by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. We should be known by the way that we love one another. This is how Christians ought to be known, by the way that we love our coworkers at work, by the way that we love our teammates if you're on a sports team, by the way that we love our family members and our physical neighbors that live next to us. That's what we should be known by. What are you known by this morning? What do people know us as? Hopefully not that grumpy coworker that doesn't talk to nobody. Hopefully not that self-aggrandizing person that only talks about their accomplishments and puts everyone else down. Hopefully we're not known as that grumpy boss that makes everyone feel like garbage. You know what I'm talking about? We need to be known by the way that we love. What are we known by today? Because if we want to bring heaven to earth and fill the earth with the goodness and the glory of God, that's where it starts. It starts in here as we let the holiness of God change us and we are intentional to love the people that God's placed around us. Well, who am I supposed to love? Well, you know, someone asked Jesus that once, and he said, basically, anybody. Anybody that's around you, even your enemies. That's what the parable of the Good Samaritan is. It's about loving your enemies, people that would want bad for you. You love and serve them. And by doing that, you demonstrate the gospel. Now, I know this is hard. Pastor Billy, you're going, no, this is, this is impossible. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. And when we do this, we're intentional. We demonstrate the goodness and the love of God who loved even his enemies when he sent Jesus to die on the cross. See, in our culture, it's too easy 
to cancel people, talk stink, or just break relationships off and just run away from the people that do us wrong. That's what the world teaches, right? It doesn't say forgive. It doesn't say work towards health and unity. It says cancel them. Talk about them on social media. Blast them. Flame them. Ruin their lives. Get, them, get their businesses closed. That's what the world says to do with relationships that you don't like. What the gospel says is love them, serve them, bless them. And I know this is hard. This is a demonstration of God's love for us. Look at what it said again. Love one another as I have loved you. So how did Jesus love us? Because it's with that same kind of love that we need to love one another. Second thought in your notes here is in our relationships, we must have the same mindset as Christ. The same mindset as Christ. Look back at verse 5 of Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So what was his mindset? How did he love us? Because it's with that mindset that we need to love one another. I want to highlight three mindsets that are prevalent in relationships um, that are just common. I've seen it in myself, and you've probably seen it in yourself. The first mindset that is common in relationships is a receiving mindset. And in the receiving mindset, it says something like this. I value relationships based off of what I get out of it, right? Relationships are utilitarian. They're what we get out of relationships. That's the relationships that I value. In extreme cases, it's, it's what a narcissist is. A narcissist thinks everyone exists for them, to make them better. It's all about me, 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 right? I receive in my relationships. When my needs aren't being met, then I'm gone. If you're no longer satisfying me or making me happy, then I'm going to go look for someone who will, right? That's a receiving mindset in relationships. Now, we should see right off the bat, this is not biblical, this is not good. It's not healthy. It's not going to lead, even just with common sense, to any healthy relationships. Your relationships are going to be a wreck, right? But that's a, that's a common mindset. Some of you know people like that. You don't typically like people like that. Isn't that true? They're the people that come to the potluck with a bag of chips. Not a big Costco bag of chips. They come to it with a small bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? That's that kind of person. Because they came to receive your steak and poke bowls. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't like those people. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it might be you, okay? <laughs> we don't come to, we shouldn't come to relationships just to receive, okay? But there's another mindset that it's better, okay? It's this mutual mindset. And it sounds kind of like this. I expect an even give and take in my relationships. I expect relationships to be an even give and take, 50-50, right across the board. You give, I give. You give, I give. And, and, and I'll give if you give, right? We expect this mutuality in our relationships. Now, that sounds a ton better, but can I tell you, that's not even biblical as well. The biblical picture of relationships, the mindset that we need to have, the mindset of Christ, it's not just about receiving, and it's not even about mutuality. The mindset of Christ is this third one. It's a giving mindset. I give regardless of what I get back and trust God to meet my needs. I'm going to give if you don't even give back to me. I'm going to give unconditionally whether you reciprocate it or not. That's the mindset of Christ. Because think about it. Jesus didn't come and say, I'll die for you if right? I'll save you if you do this or that or the other thing. I'll bless you if. No, he says, I'm going to die on the cross for you even if you reject me. In fact, I'm going to die on the cross for you even while you reject me. I'm going to die on the cross for the people that whip me all night long. I'm going to die on the cross for the people that jammed the crown of thorns into my forehead to mock me. I'm going to die on the cross for the people that speared me and rejected me and spat on me. He died unconditionally. He gave of himself. That's what the text that we just read says. And that's the mindset of Christ that we need to put on in our relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Well, what was his mindset? He gave unconditionally. Now, I know you're thinking, that's crazy. That's hard. 
Yes, it is. But it's the mindset of Christ that we need to put on. If we're going to shine the light of God's love in this world, that's the mindset we got to put on. Not just of receiving, not even of mutual give and take, but I'm going to give unconditionally and trust that God will meet my needs. That's the heart of Christ. I know some of your wheels are spinning. You're saying, this is crazy. This is impossible. I get it. But watch this. Just as Jesus gave himself unconditionally, we are called to do the same for others. That's what it means to be a Christian. And this is extremely difficult. This is extremely hard to do. But that's why it's worship. See, worship isn't just singing on Sunday. And I appreciate our worship team and how much work they put in and their excellence. But worship isn't just the songs. Worship is when we go out into the community and we choose to love someone that's hard to love. We choose to serve someone that doesn't deserve to be served. We choose to forgive someone who doesn't deserve forgiveness. That's real worship. Because that's where rubber meets the road. Oh, God, it's so easy to sing in here when the worship team is singing and the people next to you are singing and lifting their hands. Man, it's so easy to do that. Singing songs is the easiest part of worship. The hardest part is in relationships. And that's why he said in the Bible all these things because it's a response not to the other person. See, a lot of times we think I'll do for you if you do for me, right? And we, we judge our response based on the person. But the reality is the, we should love and serve not based on the person but based on him. We love and serve other people not whether they deserve it or not but because he deserves it. And he deserves our worship so that when people see us loving and serving and being kind and, and gracious and all that stuff, they see a picture of the gospel in us. But all they do is talk bad about you, man. All they do is put you down. All they do is try to undercut you and, and, and step on you. I'm, I'm doing it for him. I don't care about these people. I'm doing it for him. And guess what that ends up doing? God exalts you. God lifts you up. And that's why it's worship. Just as Jesus gave himself unconditionally, we're called to do the same for others. Look back at the, look back, look back at the text. And your own relations with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, verse 6, <clears throat> who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Oh my gosh, everyone is looking for ways to use life and use people for their own advantage. Isn't that true? That's the world that we live in. That's the, the water that we swim in. We almost don't realize that we, we, we think that way sometimes. But Jesus wasn't like that. Rather, it says, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross which was the most horrible despicable heinous embarrassing shameful way a person could have been killed at that time and probably still today I can't think of a more horrible way to die than Roman crucifixion Jesus allowed himself to go through all of that to demonstrate his love for fallen people just like you and me Jesus gave himself unconditionally for others, and he calls us to have that same mindset. Now, thank God none of us are going to have to be crucified, amen, like literally. But sometimes loving people feels like crucifixion, doesn't it? And choosing to forgive that person. By the way, come back next week because we're going to talk about forgiveness, okay? And I, or maybe don't come back. It's up to you. But, but we're going to talk about it, and it's, it's essential. No, you, please come back. It's essential for your life and your relationships, right? But I, maybe I shouldn't have told you. We're going to talk about unicorns next week. Come back. All right. Um, but, but, he, but I forgot what I was going to say. He, he wasn't thinking about himself. He made himself a servant. He gave himself unto death. It's the hardest thing. And it feels like dying sometimes. But that's when it's worship. God, I don't want to love this person. I don't want to forgive this person. I don't want to serve this person. I don't want to do good for this person. But I'm going to do it for you. And it feels like crucifixion. I think Jesus is going, really? <laughs> you don't even know, bro, okay? I know it feels hard, okay? But come on, it's not like crucifixion. 
But you know, in our flesh, it, we wrestle with that. Isn't that true? I remember when I was uh, when I was in college, uh, we planted a church in town. Pearlside did, and so I was part of the team that went and helped plant that church. And I was put in charge of the early morning setup. That felt like crucifixion. I just want to say, okay, we met at a theater, so I had to go early in the morning, like five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, pick up the van which had all our equipment in, and uh, drive it to the place and and unload and help set up. And now there's a team that was supposed to supposed to help me. Anyway. When you're in college and you got to get 5.30 on a Sunday morning, that feels like crucifixion. In fact, the night before, when you got to go to sleep early so that you can get up at 5, 5, 5 o'clock in the morning, that feels like crucifixion too. I felt like I was being persecuted. I got to go to bed at 9 o'clock. This is so unfair. <laughs> you know? But every single weekend, it forced me to wrestle with, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Saying, leaving the, leaving the hangouts with my friends early to go home, to go to sleep, then waking up early when it's dark and cold to go pick up a van. And there's so many times I'm sitting in my car going, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? I don't need this in my life. I'm 20 years old. I should be staying up late and doing fun stuff. But the Lord was doing something in me. He's forcing me to wrestle with why am I doing this? And then you get the van, you drive to the place and you start unloading. And all the people that were supposed to be there to help you did not show up. Feels like crucifixion, unloading all by yourself, waiting. And then people start rolling in with their Starbucks. Oh, hey, how you doing, man? I'm like, <sighs> you know, but it forces you every time to wrestle with, why am I putting myself through this? See, serving others when you get nothing in return really forces you to wrestle with your motives. Isn't that true? Because if you think about it, almost everything else that we do, we get something out of it. You go to work, you work hard, you get a paycheck at the end of the month. It makes it worth it, hopefully, right? Or you, you, you serve in other ways, and usually you get recognition. Like, man, what a great job you did, and we're so thankful for you. Man, when you serve God, sometimes no one notices. No one knows the stuff that you do in secret. When you help that person, when you serve that person, when you give money to help that person, no one knows unless you post it on Instagram, which I suppose I might have done if Instagram existed back then, right? But you, you're forced to wrestle with all of your motivations and it comes down to, am I doing this? Am I living for myself or am I living for him? Am I doing what I do in this life for myself or am I doing it for him? And that's a very healthy wrestle to have. Is life about me and what I receive or is it about worship to God? And I found that the Lord loves to put us in situations where we have to do stuff where we get absolutely no recognition so that all of that comes out. No one notices me. No one cares. No one saw what I did. And God goes, so? Who are you doing this for? Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for me? See, when we serve, it hurts. When we love people, it hurts. When we do things for other people, it hurts. But it's supposed to bring us back to this place. I want the mindset of Christ who loved me who got nothing out of it in the short term. All he got was suffering and punishment and death. I want that mindset in my life. And again, thankfully, none of us are going to actually have to be crucified. But sometimes serving people feels that way. Let me give you another example of what that might be like for you. When you come home after work, after a long day, and your spouse wants to talk. <laughs> She's right there. Right? You come home after a long day, and your spouse wants to talk. I remember when Naomi and I first got married. She, she, I'd come home, and she'd be like, so how was your day? Good. What did you do today? Work. What did you do at work? Do work. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and it was painful. You know, there's a study that the University of Michigan did that found that women speak somewhere around 20,000 words a day. Men speak around 7,000. By the time I come home, all 7,000 are spent. <laughs> and I, I remember telling her, the last thing I want to do, I just lived the whole day. The last thing I want to do is relive it again. But it felt like dying sometimes not that I don't want to talk to my wife I love my wife but 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 it, words hurts 
It's like crucifixion sometimes, you know? But you do it because of love. And so having to stop and go, okay, let, let's talk. And just, Jesus, help me. Yes, and then this happened. Yes, and then this happened. Oh, and then what happened? Huh, well, then this happened, and then I did this. Oh, then what did you say? Oh, I said this. My 7,000 went to 14,000 because I had to relive the whole day. But why do you do that? To, to love and serve the person that you're with, right? Now, I know that's an overgeneralization. Some of you are saying, my husband talks more than me. Okay, that's fine. I just, whatever. It's a generalization, okay? And so it's, it's laying down our feelings and our, our emotions in the moment to do what is best for the other person. Laying down our life. Now, it feels like crucifixion, but compared to what Jesus went through, come on, right? Or how about this? Coming home after a long day and playing with your kids when you're tired and you're exhausted. I remember so many times I'd come home and I'd pull in the driveway and I'd just sit there. And I'd just sit there in silence because I just, oh my God, right? And then the garage door opens and then when they were little, they'd come running out. Daddy, daddy, pounding on the door, you know. I'm saying, oh God, help me. Because when I get out of the car, I want to be able to be present. Not grumpy, like, leave me alone, I had a long day, Ugh. you know. That doesn't serve them. They don't deserve that. But I need help to be able to be present for them. So I'd sit there and now, now I come home, they're old. They don't even notice I'm home. <laughs> hey guys yeah uh. hi guys uh. I mean you know I, I kind of you kind of miss the days where they come running to you you know anyway but you know but I still got one little one at home that, who wants to play but I, I caught myself last week it was last week already and McKenna who's seven wanted to play and I'm, I'm I was exhausted had a long week and but she wanted to play and here's the hard thing with, with daughters okay I'm just be honest they want to talk the whole time <laughs> boys are great because you just like throw stuff at each other you know what I mean but the girls, they want to talk, so she wants to play with her dolls. And, and the hard thing is she wants them to talk constantly. <laughs> talk, Daddy, talk to me. Talk to the dolls. Like, oh, hello. Do, 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 do. And the whole time I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And I caught myself because Nomi was in the kitchen. I looked at her like, help me. You know, like, give me a reason to get out of this, you know. But I felt so bad in my soul. My little girl wants to play with me, and I'm looking at my wife for some excuse, like, go clean the garage, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, like give me a reason to get out of this. I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, man, you would jump in front of a bus for these kids, but you can't play ponies with them for, like, an hour. And I realized my flesh wants something other than what these people need. And all of us go through that on a daily basis. Isn't that true? Part of being a Christian is dying to what I want in that moment to do with the people that I need to be there for needs in that moment. That's what it means. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. In fact, it's very clear he didn't, but he did it for you and for me. And with that mindset, we have to look at our relationships, not just with our spouses, not just with our kids, but our coworkers. When we go to work, and man, we don't want to help that person because they don't deserve your help, but you know you could help them be successful. No, nah, I don't want to do that. Or we can choose to put on the mindset of Christ. What would Jesus do? He would help that person even though they don't deserve it, even though they'll take all the credit, and even though they may try to step on you later on, I'm going to help them anyway because that's the mindset of Christ. You follow what I'm saying? You can, you can make your boss look bad or you can make them look good. What are you going to choose to do? Put on the mindset of Christ. I'm going to choose to lift that person up even though they don't deserve it. You follow what I'm saying? You could expose everyone's flaws and failures. You can put it on social media or you can love and serve and then be an example of Jesus Christ everywhere you and I go. And here's, here's the thing. People are going to look at that and go, why are you doing that? Why are you serving that person? Why are you helping them? Why are you forgiving? Because Jesus Christ did that for me. And we become an example of the gospel. The rest of the world is canceling. The rest of the world is all about themselves. Not so with us. Can I hear an amen to that? And it's going to be hard. It's going to hurt. But Jesus did it for us. In our relationships, we don't think about what we can get. We think about what we can give. 
We put others before ourselves. We hold doors open. We don't cut in line at the last minute to get on or off the freeway while everyone else waited in the long line. Come on, somebody. Oh, that, that one hurt too much. I get it. I, you're running late. Get up earlier, right? Because it's about putting other people first. And if we get in a habit of always putting ourselves first, that's, gonna, that's, that's the flesh that's going to take over. We have to get into a habit of putting other people first. That's the mindset of Christ. Now, this poses the question, and I'm going to land the plane. We'll come to a conclusion here with this. If I'm always putting other people first, what about me? What about me? Like, is anyone going to look out for me? Is anyone going to take care of me? What's going to happen? If I put other people first, am I going to get left behind? It's a really great question. Jesus, the Bible says, dealt with that exact same thing. And here's the truth. As we put other people first, God will provide what we need. That's why this is an act of worship. That's why this is an act of faith. I'm going to put other people first because you said so, and I'm going to trust you for the results. I'm going to do what you said, and I'm going to trust you for the outcome. Look at what it says. Jesus gave of himself, and then verse 9, therefore, right, verse 8, he humbled himself unto death on a cross. He died. Therefore, God exalted him. Who exalted him? God exalted him. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Who exalts? God exalts. What do we do? We love and serve as best as we can. God exalts. And here's what I've come to realize over the years. You like people that, that love and serve other people. Isn't that true? If you had a choice of who you'd promote, you would look for someone who's more like this than the, than the self-aggrandizing selfish person, right? See, even most people recognize that this is good. But more than that, God is the one who exalts. Again, that's why this is worship. That's why this is faith. Because we're ultimately trusting in him to be the one who exalts us. Just as Christ gave, we're called to give and trust the Lord for the results. How is God challenging you to go above and beyond in your relationships right now? What relationships are challenging in your life that God is calling you to serve and you're going, man, this is just hard? It is. It is. How is he challenging you to die to yourself? to serve the people in your life. See, we all want God to fill this earth with his goodness and his love once again, and he wants it to start with you and me. He wants it to start with you and me. Man, I wish people were kinder. God's saying, well, then it starts with you. Man, I wish people were more generous. Well, then God is saying it needs to start with you. Man, I wish people were more patient. Well, then it starts with you, right? It starts with the church, and if, if we allow the, lo the, lo the love of God to change us, then it can spread through us to the world all around us. But we need to put on the mindset of Christ. We need to bring heaven into our home so it can fill this home that we all share together called planet Earth. It starts with you and me. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word <clears throat> that challenges all of our lives. We thank you for your word that reveals to us your holiness and our sinfulness, God. It reveals to us how we fall short in so many different ways. But God, I thank you that it also shows us the mindset that Jesus had when he went to the cross for us. He loved us unconditionally. He gave himself completely. And he calls us to do the same. So, Lord, we ask for your help today. What are those areas in our lives where you're calling us to love and serve others? What are those relationships that are hard where we need to invite you to help us? Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you begin to pour into our lives so that we can pour out into the world all around us. We pray this today in the name of Jesus. Amen.